From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Here in Silicon Valley, there's been this entrenched myth for decades around the kind of person you need to be to be a successful entrepreneur. That to take a startup from scratch and turn it into a multi-billion dollar business that changes the world, you have to be brash and loud and brutal, dictatorial even, to be the alpha male in the room. Think about all the things written about the late Apple founder Steve Jobs, or Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, or Uber CEO Travis Kalanick, who, at least until recently, seemed to revel in his public persona as a controversial cutthroat leader. And in this industry that celebrates men like this, there's a pair of co-founders who faded into the background. They're quiet and polite and understated. They don't seek the limelight. In the eyes of us journalists who crave drama, you could even say that they're a little bit boring. Meet Pinterest co-founders Evan Sharp and Ben Silberman. Ben and I, we've had a low tolerance for, for ego and a low tolerance for people who are assholes. And, um, you know, we prefer to build a great, ambitious business where people treat each other with dignity by default. So that's something that's a little bit unique, surprisingly. Maybe that's what what has been perceived as like, oh, you know, the Pinterest founders are very slow and steady. Maybe it's just that you guys aren't assholes. There was a time when Pinterest was one of the buzziest startups in Silicon Valley. In 2015, investors valued the company at $11 billion. But recently... People don't really talk much about Pinterest. I've been asking venture capitalists what they think of the company. Their answer most of the time is that they don't think about Pinterest much at all. But in the background, away from the spotlight, Pinterest says it's been quietly and steadily building out its business all along. Its founders Ben and Evan, as well as President Tim Kendall, spoke to us in a very rare interview. I'm Aki Ito. And I'm Sarah Fryer. And this week on Decrypted, we'll be taking you inside a company that you might have forgotten about. Despite the company's low profile these days, it's actually still the 10th most valuable startup in the world, according to a list kept by the research company CB Insights. While we were busy analyzing this and that melodrama erupting at our favorite startups, Pinterest has been at work preparing for its second act. Can Pinterest capture our attention again? Or like so many other startups in this business that burst onto the scene only to be overshadowed by the next new thing? Will they just fade out of view? So we shared tips on going to the Flower Mart, which is just across the street, which is wonderful. Um, one, I think one of the like 
nice animal welfare aspects of keeping a chicken in your backyard is that most of the chickens that lay eggs... Okay, so Sarah, tell us what we're listening to here. A couple weeks ago, I was invited into an internal company conference at Pinterest called KnitCon. It was <laughs> the most Pinteresty thing ever. What were they doing? Like, all the cool DIY stuff you can view on the app. Their own employees were doing demos for each other. An ads engineering exec demoed beer brewing. Another engineer was demoing latte art. I ate some carbonated grapes. Did that taste good? Oh my god, it was they were very strange. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. Everyone was so nice. Everyone had a great time. And this was a company-wide thing. Yeah, even in the international offices. It sounds like kind of a silly thing for an entire company to commit to, but I guess if they invited you to attend this thing in the first place, they must have cared about it too. Yeah, I I mean it is it is very important. Business is basically about inspiration. You go there to find images of things you want to do, places you want to see, food you want to make. You collect them, and if you show an interest in certain things, Pinterest will you know the algorithm will show you more things like that. Like the employee who was making carbonated grapes, he was actually really all into the crazy things you could do with whipping canisters, like instantly infuse tequila or make nice fluffy microwavable cake batter in addition to the bubbly grape. <laughs> and Sarah, I can't say I've ever really used Pinterest myself. I don't think I really get it, but you said you use it pretty regularly. Yeah, I basically only use it on the private secret setting to plan a wedding. And it's really the only place you can easily compare image inspiration of things like dresses, bouquets, color combinations, at least for now. Today Pinterest has 175 million monthly active users. That's decent, but not tons. Snapchat, which is a much younger company, has about that many daily active users. Twitter has over 300 million monthly, Instagram 600 million, Facebook almost 2 billion. Yeah, at seven years old, it's not growing quite as fast as some of the others, and the company is relying on word of mouth to win more users. The way execs tell it, Pinterest's biggest problem is that people like you can't think of a reason you'd want to use it, because they think, "Why do I need another social network?" But here's Pinterest co-founder Evan. I would say emphatically, Pinterest is not a social network, and I and what, I say that because you know you don't come to Pinterest to share. Pinterest is not about expressing yourself to others. It's not about sharing with friends. Pinterest is much more like a search engine than it is a social network. People who come to Pinterest thinking it's like Facebook or Instagram, they don't have a great experience because they upload a photo and then they're expecting to get feedback. But that's not what Pinterest is for, and so that misconception can also make it more difficult for some people to understand what Pinterest is and how it can be useful for them. And in this environment, where people don't quite get Pinterest, here's the biggest threat to the company: that an app that you already use will start offering you the same features as Pinterest, so you'll never end up having to use it at all. Here's CEO and co-founder Ben. I mean, as a smaller company relative to kind of the tech giants like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple,、um, it's not negotiable that we have to move really, really quickly. Otherwise, what happens? Well, otherwise, like you get you get eliminated, right? I mean, that's just the story of technology. Are 
are you know companies just like eliminating other companies. There's one search engine, there's one dominant social network, uh, there's one dominant e-commerce player. And so, if you're going to carve out a space, you have to be, you have to move really quickly to own that space. How uh, confident are you that you own it? Uh, I think we're off to a good start, but we have a lot of work to do. Um, Seems like every day there's another Pinterest-like thing that gets built into. Instagram or Google or Amazon. For Pinterest, this threat of these larger companies taking over their features is very real. Just last week, Google announced that you'll be able to shop via image search. For example, Instagram this week announced that you can start to collect inspirational photos. But given how competitive this space is, it doesn't seem like Ben and Evan have been really aggressive in the field. Well, in 2014, they appeared on the cover of Forbes with the caption "Move over, Zuck." Pinterest has a revenue model that puts Facebook and Twitter to shame. <laughs> that might have been too optimistic in hindsight. Well, talking with Tim Kendall, the company's president, it's clear that there's still a big gap between Pinterest and the tech companies that it's sometimes compared with. Is revenue so, growth accelerating? Um, it's growing very fast. Is it growing faster than it did last year? Um, it's hard. From it depends on what you it depends on what you measure, like how you measure it. Like I don't want to say something that's like factually inaccurate. We're really pleased with the trajectory, um, and my standards for a trajectory are very high because I've seen big trajectories up up close, and uh, it's a it's a really good trajectory. So it sounds like not the kind of explicit growth that we've become so accustomed to here in the valley. Well, more slow and steady, testing new ad features with small groups of advertisers and then broadening to larger groups. So how how big could Pinterest be in in five years? Oh, I I, I think it could be um, in terms of revenue, you know, billions and billions. You know, I think it could be a, a huge company. I mean, if you think about Again, if we are the place that you go on your phone to figure out what you're going to do with your life, from the small to the big, from the near term to the long term, like we become this this planning capability that can just be almost essential to people, in the same way that that Google became essential to people when they knew what they were looking for. Sources tell me Pinterest is aiming to make more than five hundred million dollars in revenue this year. So that's still a long way to go before billions. It's you know it's been hard for them to grow internationally in part because it's a product that's so varied and culturally specific to users around the world. Not everyone is interested in Easter egg decorating ideas, for example. Right, but finally Pinterest has more users outside the U.S. than inside. In Kendall, the company's president. Told me they're only just getting started when it comes to making money from those guys, and building out that revenue stream could could be slow. And is Pinterest doing okay financially? Well, the company set some very aggressive targets for itself and then didn't reach them, according to a report in TechCrunch. But they're doing just fine. The last raise of 367 million was in 2015, and then there's actual revenue coming in, funding this expansion around the world. Still, like a lot of Silicon Valley startups, Pinterest isn't making a profit. And you have plenty of money from the last time you raised. Still,、yeah. you're are you you guys aren't profitable. We're not profitable right now. 
But if you were profitable, that would mean you weren't spending on growth. The revenue that comes in gets put into... Yeah. I mean, we reinvest into the business. Yeah. Maybe that explains why I've been hearing about this company's eventual IPO since 2013. Yeah, it feels like Snapchat, on the other hand, went from rumors to IPO fairly quickly. For a company to make its case convincingly to Wall Street and other investors, it needs to be able to show that it can make money reliably and that if it's not already profitable, there's a clear strategy for getting there. Wall Street investors want explosive growth when they invest in a Silicon Valley company. This is what Tim told me when I asked him about it. So you said you're you're not really thinking about or you're not discussing IPO internally currently. But I just said we don't have any plans. We don't have any plans, but yeah. you're discussing it? Um, are we discussing it internally? I don't have a comment. <laughs> <laughs> um what, what do you think is the time frame that makes sense from today? I mean, we, don't, we really don't have plans. You don't have one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not, we don't have plans, so there isn't a time frame. But you don't want to be acquired by like Google or something. I, I think Ben's been really clear that we want to be a standalone independent company. And, and that's definitely, that's why I'm here. You don't need the money right now. No, I mean the, the the business is the business is on a great trajectory, um, and and I think that we're I think we've grown in a really smart way that's put the position put the company in a position where we have lots of degrees of freedom, um, such that we're not going to be in a position where we'll be forced to do something that isn't in the best interest of building a sustainable kind of independent company. Okay, so reading between the lines here, it does sound like they're inching a little bit closer, but that they have a lot more that they have to prove first. Yeah, especially if they're hoping for their company to be valued highly. When they last raised money, the company was worth $11 billion on paper, but people have told me that Pinterest would be unlikely to fetch those kinds of numbers right now. Pinterest still has a bit to prove. Talking to the founders, it sounds like they think the path to new users and eventually revenue growth is improving the product. And the interesting thing about Pinterest is, somehow, they've ended up in a lot of Silicon Valley's buzziest investment areas. Artificial intelligence, computer vision. It's something that Pinterest board member Jeremy Levine is really excited about. Jeremy is a partner at the venture capital firm Bessemer Venture Partners, which is one of Pinterest's biggest investors. The company continues to innovate in a really compelling way. And so in its early days, um, it was sort of a leader in visual discovery and sort of the grid format that's now been copied many times over by other services on the Internet. But even, you know, very recently, they launched this unbelievably cool search feature Um, I use it all the time on my phone and it allows you to take a picture of a physical object and use that as a launching pad for search. Um, And it's sort of an amazing integration of machine vision technology. Well, Pinterest has these 175 million monthly active users actually labeling images as part of the way they use the platform. And so it opens up some great technical opportunities that other companies might not have access to. Here's Evan, the co-founder, talking about how it works. You know, what I would say about computer vision is you need two things. You need more, you need really two things. You need the computer vision algorithms themselves, right? So what enables 
your, your phone to say, take, take an image and say, here are the five things in that image. And then you need the catalog, right, the data to match results back to that image. And that's what we have that's distinctive. You know, five, ten years from now, the algorithms for computer vision will be relatively commodified, but won't, won't be is the, is the catalog itself and the data we have. And so by really focusing on enriching that catalog and making it really actionable and leveraging all of our curation data, right, people are saving hundreds of millions of things all the time. Actually, here's a way of saying it, right? You could, you could say that we have a computer vision team of four or five people, if you, if you look at the engineers, or you could say that we have a computer vision team of you know, 175 million plus people because all the people on Pinterest are out there saving things to boards. There's definitely a chicken and egg with the catalog. We call it the catalog and the user base. But the good thing is that a lot of Pinterest is people saving ideas from around the web to their boards, to their collections. And so as we start to grow internationally, our catalog grows along with it. So what do you make of Pinterest envisioning itself as basically the Google for images? Is Do you think this is an achievable target? Well, I guess they would say more the Google for ideas. Pinterest's whole argument seems to be that you search for facts on Google, like what temperature do you need the oven to be at to cook chicken? Uh, you search for ideas on Pinterest, like how should I season or prepare the chicken? And now with the AI, it's like, I took a picture of this chicken dish. What is it? And is there a recipe? And Pinterest will show you dishes that look like it and other things you may not even have thought of. That sounds pretty amazing. Do they actually have the technology to do it? I tried it with kale. It's actually pretty impressive. But you need to get people to use it. And that's a different challenge. You know, that's especially striking to me, given how small Pinterest engineering team is. We just heard Evan say that there's only four or five engineers in his computer vision team. Facebook, Amazon, Google, they must have hundreds of engineers working on these problems. And they're going all in on AI, too. Well, those companies, though larger, aren't used the way Pinterest is. So they don't have this database of people's aspirations. What do you mean? Like these guys are saying, you go to Pinterest to decide what you want to do or buy or see or experience. So it's tied to activities like travel, remodeling, cooking, babies. Whereas on Facebook, you might talk about what you've done already. So really, it's an advertiser's dream. Here's Tim again. We're the first company that's taken that commercial discovery experience and put it on the phone in a way where people get lots of utility because they actually are able to plan their lives in a way that's great for them and completely aligned with what businesses and advertisers want to do, which is that they want to connect with the right people who are interested in their products or services. So... You know, I joined because I think it's the most interesting business to be built since Google built AdWords 16 years ago. So this brings us to the secret sauce that Pinterest is hoping will turn the dynamics of the digital advertising market in their favor. Yeah, until now, tech companies have scrambled to take the credit for something the industry calls attribution. And that basically means that if you end up buying a handbag on Amazon, Facebook wants to be able to say that you made the purchase because of an ad that they showed you. But Pinterest says they're playing for a whole new part of the online advertising market. They want brands to know that without Pinterest, 
you wouldn't even know their brand exists. You wouldn't even know you had an opinion on it. So I think what we've proven to advertisers is that people see an idea that could be their product as an advertisement. And that first impression, right, of seeing that handbag that you've, you've never seen in your life and that experience of going from, I don't know what I want to, wow, I want the handbag that it never occurred to me that I wanted. That moment, we have begun to prove to advertisers that that's probably the most valuable and important moment in generating demand. Okay, so Pinterest has these big challenges, and IPO isn't really imminent, and on top of all that, it's not this buzzy company that it once was. So I'm wondering, is it getting harder for Pinterest to hire good engineers? It's actually super competitive to be hired there. And that might go back to the being nice thing. When I asked Evan about it, he said anyone with a sort of brash personality gets, quote, organ rejected from the organization. I mean, I would say we're not very extroverted, right? We're not out there talking all the time. And I think we don't want to be famous or anything like that. And so just a different kind of leader. How does that uh, benefit you and how does that hurt you? I'm probably not the best person to ask, you know? Um, I mean, there's definitely a superpower if you make yourself into a name. It's easier to get covered. It's easier to... People have have an attraction to celebrity. I mean, I think sometimes we have stories we want to tell. But other than that, um, it's just not something that's top of mind. It's not that it's bad or good. And the fact that Pinterest has kept this low profile in the press hasn't bothered Jeremy, the board member and investor we heard from earlier. He thinks it's actually been an asset. It's run by a humble team that's kept its heads, collective heads down um, and focused on just building a great service and not getting wrapped up in what may be hot or exciting and in the headlines um, within the general tech press or Silicon Valley. Um, That's allowed them to just keep plugging away. Startups reflect their founders, right? Whoever works there would need to be really excited about working with a guy like Ben. He's a bit soft-spoken, but here he is describing his ambition for the company. I don't know. I mean, I really love uh, the promise of our product. I really love the idea that there's a place that you can go that is is constantly kind of inspiring you to try new things and is giving you all the knowledge and the information to actually make those real. So I really love that idea. There's nothing like that right now. I just really want us to make that real in the world. And then a very easy way to motivate yourself is that we don't completely fulfill that promise um, for so many people. And the, the gap between fulfilling that promise and where we are today, like that's the work we have to do. Um, but I think it would be great. You know, I think that, you know, we all grow up with these online services that really resonate with them. You know, I mentioned, you know, I can't really imagine, I can't really imagine my life without Google, actually specifically without Google Maps. Or, you know, I can't really imagine my life without like a self, like a yeah. smartphone. And I hope that Pinterest would someday be so useful to people. They could so reliably get inspiring ideas that they wouldn't be able to imagine how they just used to kind of go through life and like find inspiration for things. Normally hearing an executive say something like that, you know, a goal to conquer the world with an idea, (laughs) it can get pretty annoying because we've heard it so many times before. 
When Ben says this, it sounds interesting because really he so rarely talks to the public. And you know, another perk of being a quiet company, I also cover Twitter. Uh, the public isn't as laser focused on critiquing what you're doing all the time. You can work in peace. At Twitter, every time they change a design, there's a user revolt. So those are benefits like employees getting along and they can work in peace. And we've heard the drawbacks that growth can be slower than expected, that people can start to doubt the promise of Pinterest. Or even worse, that they can stop caring. But Ben and Evan, it sounds like they at least feel like they're moving pretty fast and they're excited about the future and they're making some really big bets. In the meantime, the rest of Silicon Valley is going to continue to be impatient. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Do you use Pinterest? Do you think it has a future? Or do you see Instagram or Google winning this battle? Email us at decrypted at Bloomberg.net. Or you can write to me on Twitter. I'm at Sarah Fryer. And I'm at Akiito7. You can subscribe to Decrypted on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a rating and review. This helps us make our show better. And it also gets our podcast in front of more listeners. And one last thing before we let you go today. Starting now, you can use Bloomberg's iOS app or our new Google Chrome extension to scan any news story on any website and instantly show you relevant news and market data related to the companies and the people you're reading about. It's a pretty cool feature. Check it out by downloading our iOS app or search for the Bloomberg extension on the Chrome store. Learn more at Bloomberg.com lens. This episode was produced by Pia Gedkari, Magnus Henriksen, and Liz Smith. Alec McCabe is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. We'll see you next week. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.